Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Alm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Holm. On this show, I interview badass real estate investor goddesses, women that are crushing it in the real estate space. And my guest today is certainly no exception to the badass rule. I'm super excited to have her with me. So Leticia Alto is a physician, real estate investor, and blogger at Semi-Retired MD. She and her husband started investing in a small multifamily real estate in 2015 and have grown their portfolio to 61 units, less than five years. On her blog, she helps physicians learn to invest in real estate to achieve financial freedom and live their lives on their terms. She's definitely speaking my language. I'm so excited to have her. Welcome, Leticia. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to be spend some time with you. I'm happy to have you. So you started off as a doctor. You're still a physician. And like I started off as a lawyer. So it's a similar. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this before we started rolling, like not having thought about real estate at all for our lives. So how did you get started in real estate investing? What got you into the game? My husband is a bit of a serial entrepreneur. And then he was always thinking outside the box and actually had done real estate previously, but we had never really talked about it. And then just by luck, one trip we took was through New Zealand, which I know you're now hanging out in Australia. We were in New Zealand and we were in one of those little camper vans just driving around. And our camper van actually had some issues with its electricity and we were freedom camping, which is not in a campground every other night. So we really didn't want to use up our electricity. And so we didn't really have any electronics. We had no service on our cell phones too, unless we were like hanging out in one of the campgrounds with Wi-Fi. So we, I had brought Rich Dad Poor Dad with us and I started reading it. And within a couple chapters, my mind was totally blown, right? I finally understood that I was an employee. I just had never thought that way. And he had actually read it years, years, years before, but I literally was like, listen, like, this is amazing. Like, let's read this together. And so we read it out loud for like 10 days driving through New Zealand. And within, by the time we had finished it, we had decided we were putting all our money into real estate investing. We were actually previously looking for a primary residence in Seattle. We had put in a couple offers before we left on that trip and actually been bid out. So we were trying to buy a house. We literally came back from the trip. We're like, we're real estate investors. We don't want a primary residence anymore. Like we took our primary residence, you know, real estate agent. We're like, hey, you're going to help us find investment properties now. Like, this is what we're looking for. What we read was bid ridiculously low. So that's what we're going to go do. Like, come help us. And he had no idea what he was doing. And we were like putting in offers and duplex, like a duplex next to a cement factory. Like we had no clue and like putting in a ridiculously low offers and we weren't getting anything and we had no luck. And then we uh, luckily got introduced to an investor agent who actually had her own portfolio. And then it was finally like, okay, now we have somebody who can help us. And then we just went crazy. And we like, we got up to 12 doors the first year. We claimed real estate professional tax status for Kenji. We had him cut back at work so we could pay, stop paying taxes. 
And then like the trajectory after that was just up, up, up because we weren't paying taxes and we just put every dollar we had towards real estate. Amazing. So what happened then or where are you now? What are your current investments? So we're actually at the point of trying to turn or turning over some of our first investments. So it's now, I guess that was the beginning of 2015. So it's now almost five years later and we've forced appreciation on a lot of our properties. And then there's been market appreciation because we started about an hour outside of Seattle. And so some of our properties have had market appreciation too. And with a new bonus depreciation, for us, we realized that the more properties we actually turn over and harvest that lazy equity and then also get bonus depreciation, do cost segregation studies, get that bonus depreciation, the better we're going to be in terms of sheltering all of our income. So we've sold two out of our three single family homes. We're selling off some of our duplexes and we're in process of buying a 32 unit right now which should close in the next couple of weeks. And then we have a 14 unit under contract too. So we're going bigger. Yeah, I love that. I just want to pull out and highlight some of the nuggets that you dropped that people might not get. So first you talked about like changing brokers and what a difference that makes. So a lot of times real estate is really a team sport. So it's so important that people understand you need the right team players. And like you're a doctor, right? So what kind of physician are you? I'm a hospitalist. You're a hospitalist. What is a hospitalist? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. What is a hospitalist? What does that do? Um, we're the primary care doctors of the hospital. So if somebody okay. comes in, they're in the emergency room, they're sick enough to get admitted, we'll take care of them while they're in the hospital. And then we send them back home or to a nursing facility. Okay. Well. All right. That's a specific thing. Though you're generally helping people. And then there are a lot of specializations, right? So with real estate, it's the same thing. There's specializations in real estate. So the, per, the agents that are helping you get your single family home, which is what most agents and brokers do, are not the same as the ones that can do that focus on investment properties or larger commercial, multifamily. There are brokers that do multifamily. There are large multifamily. There are brokers that do mobile home parks and self storage and have specializations just like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to want to go to a podiatrist for your heart surgery, or even necessarily a GP, a general practitioner to do your heart surgery, your brain surgery, you do want to get people who know what they're doing with real estate. And that makes all of the difference is, is your story highlights like having people that really understand what an investor is looking for. As big myth that a lot of people have is that what you would look for your own residence would be the same thing that you're going to look for in a rental and they're not the same at all, right? Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. And I think for us, what I've realized over time is if you can find an investor agent who focuses on investments, but also owns their own, that is like a trifecta, right? Because it's now they understand what it's like to be an owner. They have all the right contacts for you. They have the construction person. They've worked with them. They know the accountant who does real estate and has a lot of real estate clients. And so finding that person that is both an investor agent and owns their own property is even better. I like having all my team members own properties. So I like a CPA that's an investor and lawyers that are investors. And the more property managers that are investors, so the more that they understand from the investor side, I find the better that they are with helping you. So... Switching gears a little bit, and this is a question that I ask all my guests because I find that we learn so much more when things don't go well than when Mm -hmm. when it's smooth sailing. So what would you say was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? 
my biggest mistake was actually we bought the sixplex in Oklahoma City. And I think the biggest mistake in that was actually not firing our contractor soon enough. Yeah. In that case, we had hired a contractor who our agent knew and hired our agent to oversee the major rehab. And it was not going on time. And there were, I mean, it was supposed to be like six weeks, eight weeks, and it ended up being like six months, like way off. Yeah. And so we didn't fire the contractor soon enough. We just kept kind of hoping it would work. And I think we needed to step in way earlier. And that's something we've learned over time too, is when to get rid of team members that aren't working. And that's been a real learning curve for us. I mean, we had property managers who were our favorite, our best property managers, and then totally fell off because they decided to step back from the business and have somebody else run it. And we stuck with them for months and months and months where we should have just abandoned ship as soon as things started to go downhill and as soon as there were problems. And so I think that's one mistake we've made along the road is just not leaving vendors who are not working fast enough. Yeah, that is such a common issue. So specifically with this Oklahoma City property, how about having the agent managing it? Was that, would you have done that again? That was an interesting thing. We made an assumption and the assumption was if we had a contractor who was being overseen by the agent and the contractor worked with the agent on a lot of other projects that the contractor was going to be accountable and they were going to know that if they messed up on our project, that it was going to reflect badly on them and it was going to affect all these other projects so that they were much more likely to do a good job with this agent overseeing them who they worked with in other properties. And that wasn't the case. And I still don't quite understand why and whether or not this was a pattern that we just didn't know about or whether or not we were just a one-off and it just happened to be that he had so many other projects he just got behind and that was random. I just don't know. And I don't know if actually the agents knew he wasn't good. I just don't, I don't know at this point. But yeah, I mean, I think the alternative and what we've always done with all our other major projects was actually deal directly with the general contractor and touch base with him or her and make sure we have pictures and make sure we have frequent updates. And I think actually you're right with having a middleman, we were assuming that was happening and we got pictures every once in a while, but we weren't on top of it like we could have been. And so it may have actually been better for us to just take responsibility up front, having that middleman and been on top of it rather than sitting back and assuming somebody else was doing it. Sure. That probably was, is a good point to take out of that too. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the, how, how to do it. I was just curious why the agent, because that's not necessarily part of their wheelhouse, right? So versus normally what we've got our property managers managing the, the rehab that's generally worked well. And that's generally what they'll do. So it was just, that was interesting to have, I was like, oh, the broker is doing that for you guys. That's interesting. So that's, that's what I was curious about because that's not usually what they do. Do you usually pay your property managers to oversee the project or do you just consider it part of their work? Because, I mean, we were literally having an agent go every week and taking pictures of the project and supposedly keeping it on schedule. Right. It's typically been part of their the pay. That's part of what they do is they'll manage the renovations. I could see that there might be some where it's an extra fee for them mm-hmm. managing the renovations, but with our property managers has been included. Partly. Nice. And then this is also a large multifamily, multifamily right? Family, so six units, a little different. 
Was it empty while they were doing the renovations too, or was there? Yeah, it was two different buildings. And so one was empty, one wasn't, and then kind of rotated. So yeah, it was largely empty when they were doing the rehab project in it. That's a good learning point, just in general, about having the right people on the team and then making sure that you hire well, but then you fire quickly when they're not working. And this is something that I've had that same issue, keeping property managers on too long and or other people are just not working. And it's an expensive mistake because time is- It is. It's really wild how somebody will be so good and then like literally fall off and you just don't see it coming. And we've had this with contractors too. They've done rehab after rehab and been very good. And then something happens in their life or something, who knows? And then suddenly they're not reliable anymore and it changes. It's interesting. Yeah. It's hard to know at what point to like, what is going on? Is this an an aberration? Is this just this week or is there, is this going to be longer? So that is a tricky thing when they've been working really well. I've also had the same challenge where they're amazing and then they bring their scalings to team members we're not the same. <laughs> so you're not getting the same product, even though it's the same vendor in theory, but different people are working on it. It's a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you got to have good team members to make you successful. And yeah. one thing I've definitely like do is you want to pay your team members really well. At least that that's kind of my philosophy too. Like I could try to find deals myself and be my own real estate agent or I could pay my agent really well and they're very motivated to bring me the best deals out there. And I'd rather, I really want to pay my people well and have them succeed at the same time as I succeed rather than try to save every dollar and not have good people on my team. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I remember, so hearing from Robert Kiyosaki, we're on this investor cruise and he was talking about Robert Kiyosaki, Robert Chepardad, as we were talking about before. You know, a lot of people once they're working a lot with team members, they'll try to nickel and dime them, like giving you so much work, so you should give us a discount. And they're always trying to, to discount people. And he says, no, he pays extra for his, like to his broker, <laughs> like whatever. If it's 3%, he'll pay 5%. He wants to be the first person that they call. they call when they have things. So he'll go above and beyond. And I thought that is so genius. It's so true. Mm-hmm. A good way to, to be. All right, so... And the other side, the biggest mistake issue, what are you, so the flip side, what are you most proud of? I'm most proud of taking action. (laughs) I mean, I think a lot of people read books and just say, oh, this is awesome. And then don't actually do anything. They get stuck in analysis paralysis. One thing I can say about my husband and I is, is when we decide on something, we take action right away. And then we just keep going. We don't look back and doubt and do a lot of soul searching. Was that the right decision? Was it not? And wiffle waffle, we just go. We literally got back from that reading that book and we just went, you know, and that allowed us to be successful. Otherwise we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking about this because we wouldn't have acted and we'd still be working full time. Right. That's awesome. Take massive action. And mm-hmm. don't, yeah. And a lot of people like get into analysis paralysis. It's like, it's not going to be perfect action. Just take action. And you might have just answered this, but to what do you attribute your success? To that, exactly. Actually, the other thing I attribute it to is um, having a great teammate, which is my husband. I think a lot of people probably get stuck when one partner 
is really risk averse or has ideas about real estate or is comfortable and doesn't feel like they want anything else, right? Whereas the other person's like, hey, I have this dream, like, let's go for this. I know we can make it work. And you're stuck in this position where one person doesn't want to do anything and one person does. And I've seen that actually a lot because we have a course where we train physicians how to invest in real estate, right? And actually, I've had a lot of students that usually the women actually, they sign up for the course and they're like, my husband, he'll come along. And the husband's not necessarily aligned and they get them to watch some of the videos and then they're like, okay, now I got him on board. Now we can make this happen. I think dragging somebody along the whole way is really, really difficult. And so I've been really lucky that my partner and I've been aligned on our, we had a really strong why which was we wanted to get financial freedom so we could spend time with our kids, so we could spend time with our families, so that we good hosts and have our friends stay with us. And we developed that why very early on. So we both had a shared goal, that shared vision that we were going for. And we both had a line on the fact that real estate was going to get us there. The fact we could align on both those things, where we were going and that real estate was our vehicle, really allowed us to turbocharge and act and move and put all our money into it rather than one of us off spending the money on fancy cars. I mean, both of us were, we knew what we wanted. And so that I would say the partner part was really, really helpful to me. Mm, that's so good. I work also with my husband and mm-hmm. yeah, we have, we have an event actually real estate investor soulmates for couples that want to work successfully together in real estate. And you highlighted two really important parts of that. One is like getting aligned with the vision, having the same vision and knowing your strong why, and also being aligned, like you're in the what, but also the how, right? The, the mm-hmm. vehicle. So those are two really important components of being successful together as a partnership. And it sounds like you're also both action takers. They will take quick mm-hmm. action. Even some people that are aligned and they don't take decisions in the same way. So do you think you guys are aligned in how you decide or is, are you different too in your decisions? That's a good question. Yeah, we are definitely a little bit different. I tend to actually want to be more leveraged. I think I'm accepting a little more risk than he is. He went through the 2008 downturn and at that point, so he's been investing since 2001, but he invested on appreciation plays early on. And so he ended up with 2008 with Yeah, right. With raw land in Florida, which of course was making no money and taking money out of his pocket every single month. And some high, um, high priced condos in Seattle, which he couldn't rent for the amount he had put into them, right? They weren't even close to the 1% rule. And so he got burned. And so he like definitely is less, I mean, he is more risk averse now than I am. And so, yeah, we've definitely disagreed as how much equity we want into our, in our portfolio. We've had a lot of discussions about that and discussions about growth even for a while. I was saying, hey, let's go bigger. And he was like, you know, what we're doing is working. Let's just stick with this. Or do we really even need to grow anymore? Like maybe we should just sit back, take less risks, pay them off and like just stay where we are, right? Instead of growing. And we had a whole discussion around that too. One thing that's really helped us is actually one of us has veto power in decisions. I mean, this is specifically in decisions. So like if we both agree with a property, then we'll buy it. But if one of us doesn't agree and one of us wants it, that person has unilateral veto power over the decision. And that's where it actually really helped us stay out of trouble. So it's kept us out of trouble because if one person can see something they don't like about it or, you know, and the other person's just emotionally involved, like it keeps us from making bad decisions. So 
I would say generally, yeah, we've done better because one of us has veto power. As frustrating it is, as it is at a time when he's like, you can't, you know, we're not going to buy this. Like looking back on it, 2020 vision, he was right. So you both have to be a yes or it's a no. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, our idea is if it's a clear right answer, like we'll both get it. If it's not, then we won't. I mean, you're a Tony Robbins platinum partner, right? So, I mean, literally our first Tony Robbins event and he's like, hey, I think we should sign up for platinum. Like our first event, we haven't read any Tony Robbins books. We haven't, like we've watched I'm Not Your Guru. That's it, right? And, and I'm like, no, no. And he like takes me over the platinum desk and within a day or two, I'm like, yes, this is the right decision. Okay, I get it. Let's do it. We both sign up, right? And actually I signed up and then an hour later he was like, I want to come too. And I'm like, okay, you signed up too. We'll figure it out. But it was like, to both of us, it was a clear right answer. And so we both jumped in both feet first instead of waffling or reconsidering or whatever, because we both knew it was right. Yeah. I love that. And what advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in real estate investing? That women are awesome at real estate investing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 70% of our students, they're mostly physicians, they're women, actually. And I think that women stay out of real estate in general, like the general, like, population statistics are that it's mostly men, right? Mm -hmm. And I have never quite understood that because women, I think we multitask all the time and we create awesome relationships. And I feel like that's what most of real estate investing is, multitasking, balancing different projects and having good people who you've created solid relationships with. And I think women are phenomenal at that in general. And so I would just say, if you're a woman, get involved and don't let the fact that it's a quote unquote man's world out there, like stop you. Because I think actually a lot of women are phenomenal investors. We just don't even consider it. Yeah. In general, we have better results. I think I heard about 30%. We do about 30% better. Than the really? So this is not surprising to me and I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to sound sexist, but in colonoscopies, like they've done studies of gastrointestinal docs and women, female physicians actually catch a lot more cancers. And I don't know why, I don't know if it's innate or if it's just training or whatever, but yeah, we tend to pick up those cancers if we're a GI doc. So I'm not surprised that women in general do better in real estate investing either. Awesome. (laughs) And what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? Hmm. I wish I had known about forced appreciation. I didn't really understand that at the very beginning and luckily kind of figured it out partially in year two, I would say. In year two, we did a major rehab project on a fourplex. It was like a hundred thousand dollar rehab. And we increased rents from like $700 per unit to like 1100 per unit. And that's when I realized, man, the government just paid for like a fourth of that rehab, right? Because we wrote it off and we were real estate professionals because we could use it to shelter income. So government just paid for a fourth of that rehab. And I just collected all the increase in cash flow, right? And I collected all the increase in value of that property, And now I could do a cash out refi and go buy something else. So that money now, the velocity of that money and the amount it can make is just compounded immensely. So yeah, I didn't figure that out till second year. But then I was like, after that, we realized, man, we need to buy value add properties because forcing appreciation now, like looking back on it, forced appreciation and the tax breaks are the two big things. Like everyone thinks it's about cash flow and certainly cash flow is nice, but it's forced appreciation and 
tax benefits that take you those huge step up in wealth. Yeah. So just so we have no goddess left behind, and you did mention forced depreciation before. So I want to make sure that everyone understands what that means. Mm-hmm. And once people understand there's appreciation generally in the market time, you generally property will increase in value and that's called depreciation. But you can force appreciation by doing targeted rehabs and make the property worth more. You can rent out for more, but then there's also, there's more value there. And you were just talking about this amazing strategy, which is to force appreciation, do a cash out refinance, which is not a taxable event. So you can pull out that money and then use it to reinvest in compound in that way. So it's forced appreciation is a amazing tool that every real estate investor should have in their tool belt, depending on how you want to play in this game. But that is like the best, generally the best way to really add add a lot more value and grow your wealth a lot more quickly by doing Yeah. And it's got the tax breaks part too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's got both, right? Cause yeah, yeah, you write off the rehab, you increase the value of the property. Yeah. So now you've done both things. It's incredible. So Trump's taxed tax break or tax deal in um, 2017 added bonus depreciation. So when you're fixing things up, you can do something called the cost segregation. So this, I don't even know if I should get into this right now. <laughs> like this is a long way. <laughs> which we talked about with in a previous podcast, I think with uh, Marie Grassmeyer. So we're talking about that. So look that up and you can find, she's a CPA and we have a long discussion about it, which is we don't have time for right now, but definitely look into that because you make, a, you're not only making money, but you're saving a lot from taxes by doing this. So check out that past episode, Grassmeyer, to find out all about cost segregation <laughs> and bonus depreciation. All right. So before we get into our famed end of show trinity, which is a brag, gratitude, and the desire, what is the best way for people to connect with you? I blog over at Semi-Retired MD, and we mostly teach physicians how to invest in real estate, direct ownership real estate. But we also have a lot of high income professionals, so like vets and dentists and pharmacists. And because once you get above 150000 in income every year, the tax breaks go away. And so then you can start kind of harvesting tax benefits using real estate professional tax status. So we do a lot of teaching about there, about that over in our blog. All right. So check it out. Send me retired MD. And now for your Trinity. So what's one thing you're celebrating right now? What's your brag? I am celebrating this 32 unit, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully getting across the line. It was supposed to close last year. And then there was like a lot of drama that led it not to. So I'm hoping in the next two weeks to get this deal. And it's, it's a beautiful deal with like 15% cash and cash and a laundry room that we can convert into a unit. So that would be a lot of forced appreciation there. So I'm really hoping that's going to happen and starting to celebrate it, but not quite yet. All right. Well bragged. (laughs) What's one thing you're grateful for? I'm grateful for my husband (laughs) and how awesome he is as a partner. I mean, I am more of the like, get excited and gloss over the details and the big vision kind of person. And he really like is the person who does the spreadsheet and does a lot of the phone calls. And he's our real estate professional. So he's the one who's allowing us to harvest all these tax breaks. So I'm very grateful for him. Mm, beautiful. And last but not least, what's one thing you desire? 
Well, we've already talked about women, more women getting into real estate. So that's definitely one thing I desire because I think that, yeah, once we kind of have that tipping point of women involved, it's just going to open so many doors for so many other women. This is real estate is one of the best ways to build your wealth over generations. And if women aren't tapping into it, it's so unfortunate because we're missing out on that, right? We're relying on our spouses if we have a spouse to do it. And I have a lot of single physician moms like who are in our course who are now doing this for themselves and for their families. They don't necessarily have men in their lives, but they're changing the trajectory of their kids' lives by creating a legacy by having real estate. So I think that's pretty phenomenal. Awesome. So your desire is to have more women in real estate? Mm-hmm. Me too. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can. <laughs> And thank you so oh, thanks much for having me, Monique. Awesome interview. You guys, you can connect with Letizia at semiretiredmd.com and connect with me at reigoddesses.com. There you can find out about, you want to hang out with amazing women, come to our event April 17th and 19th in Los Angeles. So you can subscribe there for that and join our Facebook community of amazing women from all over the world who are. Um, investing in real estate together and sisterhood and also join our investor club where you can find out about passive investing opportunities. So we have a whole bunch of goodies for you at reigoddesses.com. Check it out, subscribe and comment below and join us next time for another amazing real estate investor goddess interview. Bye-bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.